Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the family with... Hackmaster, Ralph Toya Basham, MD. Alex Bernard Rasmussen. Andy Bernard. And Cassie Schrader. And we'll be right back. Catherine Winch, our special guest. Slay like a mother, how to destroy what's holding you back so you can live the life you want. We'll be right back with Catherine right after this, the family. Recently, the four Walzer dealerships in Burnsville, Walzer Subaru, Walzer Honda, Walzer Nissan, and Walzer Mazda encountered a hailstorm. A justice flew in from around the U.S. to handle a claim on what will be over 2,500 new and used cars. They've drastically reduced the pricing on these vehicles, and there are some wonderful bargains available. But here's the deal. I normally hate the hurry-these-won't-last style of marketing, but in this case, it is true. It's not like they'll go into the back lot at night with hammers and make more. I also usually tell people to check them out online, but in the case of slightly damaged cars, you really do have to see them for yourselves. Stop out to Walzer Mazda, Nissan, Honda, and Subaru just south of the Burnsville Mall on Buck Hill Road. If you really want to, you can tell them Tom sent you, but that sounds kind of dumb. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. S.E.K., the metalhead today. Yeah, now Tuesday. we're talking. <laughs> Trying to get through the week. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, slay like a mother how to destroy what's holding you back so you can live the life you want. Catherine, is it pronounced winch, Catherine? Yes, it is. Winch like pinch. Winch like pinch. I like it. I like it works for me. Uh, <laughs> so where do you want to start? Because the reason I ask you where you want to start is because we have two women in the room, and they're both mothers. And they both have young children. So are their lives just over? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Only if you choose for them to be. (laughs) Yes, only. Yeah, that's right. Only if they choose to be. That's very, very true. Revelatory, inspirational guide for mothers to crush their never-enough mentality and slay every day. Catherine Winch knows firsthand the self-doubt that rages inside modern moms. What do you guys, Alex, Cassie, what do you think about the, the rage inside of you? Uh, well, I don't it's really. The self doubt that rages, not yeah. rage. Well, that's true. The self doubt rages. You, you become... Oh, it's me that has general rage. Yeah, I forgot. That's yeah. Well, you rage. become so involved, especially when your children are really little. You become so involved in their life, you don't realize that 
you, you completely forgot your interests, your loves, your well, like, passions. Like and... I was just saying, I've had rice crackers and a fiber bar today because I left the house and I was like, I have not eaten. <laughs> I know you forget to <laughs> eat yourself. <laughs> and I was like, what can I eat in yeah. the car? I guess on my way well, to work. See. Okay, rice crackers and a fiber bar it is. Because I, yeah, it was like, get the kids up and dressed, fed. I cleaned the floors while they were eating. Get the three-year-old to school the nanny came had to give her the instructions for school pickup because it's her first day and all this stuff and so it was just like oh well your life your life becomes redundant and yeah the same thing over and over again i get it (laughs) i like yeah well it it can be you know it can certainly be exhausting when you're when you're putting yourself last and i did that for so many years Mm -hmm. of my life even before i had kids and my self-esteem was really derived from external methods. So what other people thought of me, what I was doing for my children. And then I learned to slay what I call my dragon of of self-doubt and start caring for myself and taking care of myself. And and sometimes even putting myself first, if I'm bold enough to say. And what I found is that my family hasn't sacrificed because of that, that I'm happier on the inside and more whole. And so I have more to give away and nobody's quite as mad at me as I, I thought they might be. <laughs> yeah. I like this a lot, the mask you're wearing, though the one you hide behind when you say everything is just fine when it's not. <laughs> um, my uh, One of the young women, Alex, you were talking to, was our daughter. Our son Andy's on the show as well. But my, my, my wife, Catherine, never gives me the I'm just fine. If she's upset, you will know it. I can guarantee yeah. you that. <laughs> Doesn't do a lot of well, hiding. that's that's positive. Right? I is. think that's wonderful, and and we and we have to do more of that. So I've studied mothers in 17 countries around the world, and I even gave a TEDx talk on this topic of the mask of motherhood. And for yeah. far too many of us, that mask is so thick, and we just walk through life lying and saying we're fine when we really feel like we're falling apart on the right. inside. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like growing up. I always remember being like. Why can't mom, like, sometimes I'll be like, mom, what do you want for dinner? She's like, I don't know. What do you want? And I'm like, what do you want for dinner, mom? (laughs) And she's like, I don't know. She can't decide still, even though we haven't lived in the house for, you know, 12 years or whatever. And she, and now that I'm a mom, I can't figure out what to get for dinner either. Like, if somebody was like, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know. What do you guys want? Because you're just so used to pleasing other people. Somebody else having an opinion all the time that you're like, whatever. Like, I just want it to be easy. Like, whoever cares most will go with that. No, I would disagree. I think what you're doing as a parent, you are making so many decisions all the time. You don't. You run out of decision, mm, yes, decision yes. energy, and decision you say fatigue. Yes, yeah, decision fatigue. That's, that's, that's what it is. True, yes. No, I no. Whatever you want. I don't care what you want. Yeah, because you have to make yeah thirty decisions in a five minute period sometimes. So yeah, it's just kind of like oh, whatever. But if my daughter ever says, <laughs> my daughter ever says, what do I want for dinner? I'm going to say, uh, I'll take some beef Wellington. Oh, there you go. <laughs> White asparagus. Sure, you know, you know, sure. and, 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 you know. That's what I'm. I'm just going to lay it on. So. Yeah. All right, as we lead back into this, I have to ask you, Catherine, oh, by the way, my wife's name is Catherine as well. Um, yeah. So when I left the house today, she usually is here today, but we have a plumber coming over, so she had to stay at the house and wait for the plumber. But um, so I go over and I give her a hug and I say, I say to her, do you love me? And she goes, most of the time. I said, what do you mean most of the time? She goes, well, I love you most of the time. I said, what about when you don't? She goes, then I hate you. <laughs> right. well, Thanks, hon. It's a love and hate yeah. relationship. <laughs> I'll see you in a couple of hours, my dear. Right. Again, I, she's not wearing the mask. No. I should say this also, Catherine, that I was raised by my mother. I have I have four brothers and two sisters. My dad was institutionalized, so my mother raised all the kids by herself, and I could not have asked for a better parent. She was an amazing woman, a very mm-hmm. tough woman. Um not to the kids, I mean to the world. She she put up this facade like don't mess with these kids or you'll pay dearly. So I've been I've mm. I was raised by women, so I I have a special affinity as far as a boss is concerned that I like to be I like to be told what to do by women, not men. I don't like it when men tell me what to do. <laughs> I don't. It's true. It's my and unless you're my mom telling me what to do, I have no interest in what you have to say. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> 
but so yeah, mothers are very. I don't you think that all kids' mothers are very special anyway? Yes, I do. But I think that the the pain point becomes that so many mothers don't believe that they themselves are special and important, oh, yeah. and I think that discrepancy. <laughs> is really painful because if other people think you're great, but you don't think you're great or you feel like you're falling short or, you know, you're half a parent because you're not doing a good job, it's a pretty painful place to be. And we can't always see it on the inside. Yeah, that makes total sense. I love the fact that you point out the difference between struggling and suffering. Yeah, there's a big difference there, but I don't think most people understand that. No, it's not anything that um, that I'd ever heard people talk about, and I'd studied it in women, and that premise was the, the main premise that my book sold to a top 10 publisher on because they hadn't heard it before and they liked it. And we all struggle, but we choose to suffer when we yell at ourselves for not doing a better job, have horrible negative self-talk. And while that's overwhelming, the, the great news is, you know, if you're causing the suffering, you can uncause it, too. Yeah, I could see that. that just, uh, I wish most people understood that, that you're miserable because, uh, and I shouldn't say you necessarily want to be, but you're miserable because you allow yourself to be, uh, you know, sometimes you're going to be. But people who are miserable right. all the time allow themselves to be miserable all the time. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it comes down to saying no to, I mean, so many mothers to our earlier point are just run so ragged because they're saying yes to everybody else. But that's when you suffer and you have to learn that it's not that you have a hard time saying no to other people. You have a hard time saying yes to yourself, which is a different dynamic. So I want to hear about that. You, Cassie, you and Alex agree with that, that you have a hard time saying yes to yourself? No. You I do. I make an absolute. <laughs> I make an absolute point because I am. I don't know if anybody knows what it, the enneagram is, but I'm an enneagram two, which is the helper. So it's like you will do like everything for everyone around you, and then forget about yourself. But like since becoming a mother, I'm like I need to make a point of it to like I'm gonna go get a massage. Bye. I'm gonna mm-hmm. go do this. Bye. I'm gonna go hang out with my friend. Bye. Okay. Like I'm just doing this, and you need to figure out what you're doing with the children. See you later. Because if I don't consciously do that, then yeah, I would never. I just wish I had yeah, time. I don't have time. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say, you know, on the time front, because so many, you know, women, you know, have that, and it was a big barrier for me too. But you know, I often say that technically speaking, we do have time. The people who don't have time are deceased; like there are no hours <laughs> left in their day. So Correct. we That's do nice. have time, and I think we have to force ourselves to use different words, and we have to say, "I'm not making the time." Yeah, I was gonna which say, which just you, puts yeah. a little bit more onus, you know, on us. To, um, to carve out that time. And what I found, the more I started saying no to others and yes to myself, people didn't care as much as I thought, you know, and people don't care about us as much as we think they do. <laughs> and you turn things down and you say no, and the world keeps spinning and, and you get better at it over time, but it takes a lot of practice. Yeah, I can see that. Cassie, what were you saying? Well, I just, I, you know, I, we have a blended family in our home and we have six school age kids and yeah i know i say that every morning when i wake up oh god why am i doing this <laughs> but um you know just you know and my husband has to work i have to work so i have to do the majority of running around going to the grocery store taking a kid here mm-hmm. taking a kid to football i coach my son's football mm-hmm. team um, by the time I get home, it's eight o'clock, and then I got to put my youngest kid to bed, so I got to quickly give him a bath, and and it's by the time I get into bed at about ten eight ten p.m. at night that I have no time really to do anything for myself. So I really right. do or energy, I would imagine. Yeah, so yeah. I really need to like set a day. I think of just a mm-hmm. me day. Yeah. Like on a weekend yes. or something. Well, I've noticed I'm the type of person yeah. that I'd rather get less sleep but have time to myself. So it's like I'd rather go to bed at midnight mm-hmm. and just not have as much sleep but have two hours of – because my husband goes to bed at like 9.30 or 10. Then I'd have two hours of – I'm like, no one needs a thing from me. Like the kids <laughs> yeah. are asleep. My yeah. husband doesn't need to ask me a question about whatever. Like I have two hours of just like nobody cares what I'm doing. No one needs me, and that's 
major for me yeah that i've i've realized that yeah and kathy one of the things that may help is i started doing this recently and if you look at your calendar tomorrow you know it's jam-packed it's you know hour to hour it's all full but six weeks from now your calendar is probably not completely full it has some white space in it and so i'll fast forward six weeks and i'll put some reoccurring meetings that are not really meetings, but it might be, you know, an exercise class that I want to go to every Tuesday, or it might be wine with my friends. It doesn't even have to be healthy. But when those six weeks pass and the future becomes the present, I'm already built into my calendar a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a different dynamic to say, okay, I have to delete myself from my calendar as opposed to I can't fit myself on my calendar. And you can still delete some of them. Nobody's perfect at this. But I find that fast forwarding to the future just helps block it out. Um, a little bit better than trying to do it in the moment because then we all just collapse and fatigue. Yeah, yeah, that's how I get because it's like, and then when I do have a moment, I'm like, I'm too tired to do anything. I'm just like, I just want to sit in a dark room and not hear a word, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I put on well, I like your music. idea of a date of yourself. But mother just told me yesterday, she said, I'm going on vacation with myself next Friday just for the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go down to the beach and I'm just going to sit there and nobody can get me or find me. I'm going to turn my phone off. And, um, you know, you can, even if you, that is not possible, you know, for another month, but you can look forward to it because you might need to block out bigger chunks of time if the smaller bits, you know, are just too chaotic because you do have sick kids. Yeah, <laughs> it is chaotic usually all the time. Well, that's kind of how it is for, don't you think fathers are like that too, though, or are most fathers not like that? Well, I've done research with um, fathers, too, and I think where it comes in is back to the self-doubt that mothers experience. And so the way that self-doubt honestly manifests itself is in negative self-talk in kind of beating yourself up for not doing better. And what my research shows that when it comes to negative self-talk for a man in general, it tends to be critical. You know, so do better next time, you know, get back to the gym. But for a woman, it tends to be more cruel. So I'll give you an example. When I do workshops with women all over the world, I will ask them to write down the last terrible thing that they said to themselves. And if they're brave enough, I ask them to read it out loud. And just last week, a woman stood up, and the last terrible thing she said to herself was, you're fat, you're ugly, and it's a miracle that your husband loves you. And this... God, you know, and this was just the last thing. And then, you know, another woman who happened to be a lawyer was like, you're dumb and everybody knows it. And I said, did you pass the bar? Are you a lawyer? (laughs) And, you know, I think you're smart. So I think that's the main difference between dads and moms is we tend to carry the baggage around and beat ourselves up for not doing better. And most dads feel really good about the role that they're playing and, and how they're contributing. You know what's really funny about that? I have a friend who's one of my best friends in the world, a guy named Kendall. And just a short time ago, we were talking about being a dad and being a mom because, unfortunately, my friend lost his daughter. She's only 20. Was she 21, Alex? 22? Yeah, I think 21 or 22. Mm. And she died. He just lost her. And we were just sitting around um, talking about this, that, and the other thing. And somebody brought up, you know, me being a father. And Kendall says... Here's Tom being a father. You bother my wife, I'll kill you. You bother my son, I'll kill you. You bother my daughter, I'll kill you. That's pretty much your whole, you just threaten the world to leave your family alone. That's pretty much true, though. I had to admit it was true. I I, I couldn't duck out on that when it's true. Just how it is. Yeah. It's it's interesting that you say that, like, the self-talk between fathers and mothers is different because i definitely am more like a father in that way i guess call it off after your old man well i don't know i'm just kind of like there are some times where i'm just like i am really good at this like i (laughs) am kicking ass at motherhood i'm like i seriously i'm like i am nurturing i'm kind i'm patient i like you know i'm not the neatest person ever i'm not good at cleaning constantly and there's like certain things but i'm like i don't care that doesn't like bother me because i can't do everything 
and what I do do, I yeah. do really well, and I think that's awesome. She so go doo-doo. me. <laughs> I'm the complete opposite. I try and take on too much, and then yeah. I beat myself up if I fail at one thing. It could be one thing. Oh, really? I'm kind of yeah. like, Pfft. yeah. I'm going to sit here well, you and would eat appreciate some cookies we have a, a video on our website on slaylikeamother.com, and it's a video where different mothers um, from across the country are sharing the last terrible thing that they said about themselves, and it's really gut-wrenching and, and moving. So if you suffer from that same affliction, it can be helpful to see that you're not alone. And then in my books, I like a mother, I teach people, you know, step by step of how to slay this dragon of self-doubt, how to be nicer to yourself. And, and I think if you already are nice to yourself and you're giving yourself a break, that you should be very open and honest about that because other women need to see and hear that that's possible, that we don't have to annihilate ourselves or always try to be better, um, that we can be very happy with the role that we're doing and that that's enough. I think it is wonderful. The book is called Slay Like a Mother, How to Destroy What's Holding You Back So You Can Live the Life You Want. Catherine Winch, it's W-I-N-T-S-C-H. The book is available everywhere. You can just go to Amazon, and it's right there. Catherine, this was interesting, sitting back listening to three mothers talking about what it means to be a mother. It's a lot of work, no doubt about it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, Catherine. I'm exhausted thinking about it. (laughs) Oh, God. Thanks, Catherine. Now they're exhausted. They won't be able to finish the show. (laughs) Have a good day. Bye. Thank you. We will be back in just a couple of minutes, ladies and gentlemen. More coming up right after this with the family. It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done? At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve their financing dilemma. We won't take a cookie-cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful. So if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me, too? No. (laughs) (laughs) God, thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love working with you. We can help any business, including a podcast, that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. I still never liked you, though. You are. No, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't like (laughs) you. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. We are back in the sale again. It's true. Ladies and gentlemen, if you were one of the world's richest men, what would you give yourself on your 55th birthday? Mm-hmm. Anyone know? If you were one of the world's richest people? Yep. I would go be simplistic. I'd buy myself like in a Rubik's Cube or something Rubik's stupid. Rubik's Cube. <laughs> no, yeah. Rubik's Cube. So you buy something you have, don't have already? So you, you all of a sudden you discover you're the richest? Nope, you're the richest, one of the richest men in the world, and so you I gave probably have everything. Okay, I need, though. wait. Is this a question of if you found yourself as the richest person, one of the richest people in the world? What would yep. you do? Or are you like, oh, if you were Bill Gates, what do you think he got himself for his birthday? This guy's name is Jack Ma, and he gave him something himself something for his birthday. Today is his birthday, as a matter of fact, mm. and he gave himself something. And I, I guess you could just say 
he did something. And therefore, he gave himself something, but he did something. So it Drugs wasn't... Drugs or hookers, something no, like no, that? No, no, no. Huh. Not at all. I can tell it's a positive thing, the way Dad's talking. That's correct. <laughs> Jack Ma turns 55 today. He's China's richest man, celebrating with a milestone move. He is one of the richest men in the world, and for his 55th birthday, he quit his job. Sounds about right. He's stepping down as executive chairman of the country's e-commerce behemoth Alibaba. Mm. He's doing so after presiding over one of the most spectacular creations of wealth the world has ever seen, writes Venus Fang. Uh, at Bloomberg, as befitting his big person, as befitting his big personality, Ma's going out in style with a party at a sports stadium, and Hangzhou, and it holds eighty. He's inviting eighty thousand people to his birthday oh my party. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, by the way, Ma is a former English teacher who founded Alibaba with seventeen others in 1999. Initially, they worked out of Ma's apartment per CNBC. The original idea was to sell Chinese goods abroad, but when China's economy took off, Alibaba did as well by selling goods domestically. One of the richest people in the world, Jack Ma, 55, is now retired. That's a pretty damn good story, don't you think? Although if I was really rich and I wanted to give myself a treat, you know, for whatever, I would probably, like, if I retired, I would travel the world. That would be my treat to myself. I wouldn't buy So you'd want to be Catherine? Yeah. Ah. No, I would just like yeah. I would I, tra- yeah. I would travel more yeah. than actually. Yeah, I would I'd get myself any buy myself memories than uh yeah yeah something materialistic. I have said to Dan multiple times. I'm like, I would never want to live in a house bigger than what we live in. Now. I know because you have to clean it. Yeah, I'm like, it's just more to clean, <laughs> and it just you don't need more Next stuff. Day. Like I'm kid, I'm getting rid of. I just got rid of a carload full of stuff. I have another carload that's ready to go on Thursday, and. I'm just like, I don't want so much crap. You're sloughing. <laughs> I'm purging. You're yes. purging and sloughing. Purging. I need to purge a bunch of stuff in my yeah, place. Yeah, we do that. Yeah, we do the same thing. I've gone through everything. The whole upstairs has been purged. Really? Yep. Yeah, Mom, Mom and I just did that. And That's I cannot awesome. tell you how much stuff we got rid of. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. I know. I, I loaded it up in the car Ugh. and drove it to the donation center. And I actually went to different donation centers because I was like, that guy's sick of seeing my face. <laughs> so I went to a different donation <laughs> center. True. Get away from like, here. He's tired of emptying these bins. And yeah, I'm going to go somewhere else. I suppose that's true. Uh, yeah. It all works out in the end, though. A conservative television network sued Rachel Maddow for $10 million on Monday for calling it paid Russian propaganda. One America News filed the federal defamation suit in San Diego, the AP reports. The small family-owned network is challenging Fox News for conservative cable and satellite TV viewers has received favorable tweets from the president. The lawsuit, which names Maddow, Comcast, MSNBC, and NBC Universal Media, contends that Maddow's comment on her July 22nd MSNBC show was retaliation after OAN President Charles Herring accused cable television giant Comcast of censorship. Well, don't you think that's true of all? Well, yeah. All Russian anything. Cable giants. It pretty much goes without saying. It yeah. does. You're just going to you're going to censor people. People yeah. get censored all the time. Yeah. The suit contends that Comcast refused to carry the channel because it counters the liberal politics of Comcast owns uh, news channel MSNBC. Why would you care? MSNBC has no ratings at all. Nobody watches MSNBC. That's true. I mean, they all, they don't watch CNN now. The problem that 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 liberal news media has is there are about seventeen channels. Mm-hmm. Whereas in conservative, so none of them individually make any money. Right, right. And none of them are liberal enough for the liberals. No, you cannot possibly be the people that consider themselves to be progressive, who by the way are not progressive at all because they crush other people's lives. You know what I'm saying. There should just be a positive news network. That would be nice. I would like that. Just positive like, news. I saw this video of a local news channel. It was like, breaking news. And it was a video of these two dogs at a stoplight. One is like a lab mix or something. And then the other is a pit bull. And they're both facing each other out of their windows. And then the pit bull disappears and then comes back out with a toy in his mouth to show the other dog. <laughs> and that <laughs> well, was their, like, go. breaking news of the day. And I was Here's like, the news. I wish that there were a news station that was just positive information. One thing I do have to – it's funny that you, you kind of bring it up because that, that little kid, that six-year-old 
that wanted to go to Disney World and saved up all his money to do it, used the money to buy food to give to Dory and evacuees. Do you see that kid? Mm-mm. He's a little kid. He's six years old, right? Great parents, obviously. Great kid. Just He just said, six years old, and the news person says to him, so what, why are you doing this? Because it's very clear to me that if you do nice things in life, you will be rewarded greatly for it. It, he was the nicest, most even-keeled kid in the world. Uh, and the great part of it is the look he had on his face when the news anchor, because uh, he, he wanted to go to Disney World, but he spent all the money feeding Dorian evacuees. Well, Disney, of course, stepped up, yeah. right? And given to this big trip and all the rest of it. And the news anchor comes out of the Disney bus in front of his house with a big Mickey Mouse painting on the side. And she comes up and says, I'm here to tell you something. The Disney people want you to know that they're giving you a getaway vacation. And he looked at her like, getaway? Yeah, getaway. You're six years old. What What am I getting away from? I'm six years old. Yeah. The kid was just smart as hell. He's a great kid, a really, really good kid. I've been doing a mindfulness meditation with Fawn. Have you? Yeah. And how does she like it? It's a children's mind. There's two different meditations, and she we do. It depends on which one she requests. Oh, she requests it. Because I talked about how I meditate when she naps, and she's like, "Can I meditate with you?" And I was like, "There are children meditations, and you just lay there and you listen to a thing, or you can just be silent and close your eyes." And she was like, "I want to listen to a thing." And so there, I found this, like, five-minute children's mindfulness, like, gratitude right. meditation. And she loves it. She's like, can we go meditate? It's pretty funny. Really? She's asked to meditate at Multiple three years old? Multiple times a day she asks to meditate. Well, I suppose it is very relaxing, even for a three-year-old. Well, and she likes to, you know, cuddle up with her blanket. Yeah, we lay yeah in she our, does. We lay in Dan in my bed. And, yeah, and before bed, she's like, I want to meditate before we read stories now. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yep. Do you guys think this uh, this $10 million lawsuit is going to go anywhere against Rachel Maddow and MSNBC? Nope. No. I don't either. No. Don't Too much power. It never does. Yeah, it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, she said that it's paid Russian propaganda. I don't know. Rachel Maddow's unwatchable anyway. Well, most well, of them yeah. are unwatchable. The only thing I think of when I think of Rachel Maddow is <laughs> Chandler, Chandler Bing. Bing. Yep. Yes. Hilarious. <laughs> you look just like yeah. Rachel Maddow. Yeah. That is rather funny. Is she really that miserable? She's a very unhappy, unpleasant oh, person. My God, is she unhappy? But you know, by the same token, as far as that's concerned, I cannot watch like uh, Shepard Smith on Fox. I'm not wild on the. Well, who's the guy with the glasses again? The only one I know is the Five, and yeah, that's I because like five, Melissa's yeah. family watches it. I like the. It's the only thing I know about Fox News. Well, most or of the really anchors. any news actually. Tucker Carlson's really good because he's funny. He's very, very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the same time, I cannot watch Sean Hannity either. Ugh. I can't watch the guy. He's, he's an, well, whether it's Rachel Maddow or it's uh, you know Bill Maher, or any, I can't watch those. Mm-hmm. Anybody that says, I hope we go into a recession just so we lose the president, you do realize that very poor people and children are going to suffer if we they go into a recession. Yeah. But he doesn't care, does he? He no. just doesn't like Trump. And yeah. that's what counts. I just, you what know, matters is what he wants. You're yeah. supposed to be liberal and progressive and giving, but you're not at all. On the other side, you're supposed to be conservative and thoughtful, and they do indicate you'd be somewhat more religious than lefties, and yet you're, we are willing to bury people too. I just don't understand how you can be both ways, mm-hmm. you know. The, the hypocrisy of both sides is uh, yeah. very... Uh, disheartening it really is disheartening and i really wish they'd saw there are a couple of th- like i said at least tucker carlson makes you laugh because he just goes off the deep end about oh my god that's so ridiculous it's unbelievable i say more dogs showing off their toys yeah dogs showing off their toys would be a good thing that's the news Wouldn't i want thing at all but yeah it's it, it, it's i think people do you think people now have just hit the wall and go i'm not going to do this anymore i'm not watching the news anymore i just can't do it yeah, i did that yeah. 20 years ago you did. You just don't do it anymore and at people all. People our generation don't watch the news. Yeah, they I don't know, know anybody true, you know. that watches the news. Me that's either. true. You don't watch the news. But then how do you know what the hell's going on? I suppose you don't have to know that stuff, though. And There's the news lies to you all they the time, do, yeah, so do. you don't know I find going out on. everything, like, major through social media. Generally. Which, I suppose, yeah, which I can be dangerous, because that yeah. can be really 
Really? Well, no, just things like, Slanted. you know, oh, there was a bombing in France. Like, I know of those yeah, things. Okay. Yeah. People post about it. Not like, As you know, a fact. I think this is, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I do have some friends that have news, like apps. They'll look at the news, you know, yeah, on their the phone and stuff, and but that, yeah. don't watch the news, no. I, yeah. I actually have a friend from high school who is a news anchor now. Oh, really? Where? Uh, in, um, oh, my God. BF Idaho? No, New York. New oh York. God. Why can't I think of up? Oh, upstate. Uh, yes. Poughkeepsie. Poughkeep- no, not Poughkeepsie. Schenectady. With- Buffalo. No. Utica. Albany. S. Schenectady. Not Schenectady. Supercilious. What? No, that's not it. Oh my God! I'll think of it. Yeah, you'll think of it. You get back to me. Messina. No. Messina. There's there. a college, a big college. There's a big college. Oh, uh, where's Cornell? It's Ithaca. No. Oh, look, I can look on my phone. Yeah, look on your phone. She's a, So she's a TV news anchor? She is a news anchor, yeah. Really? How's she Syracuse? doing? Syracuse! Syracuse! Yeah, Syracuse, yeah, that makes sense. She's a news anchor in Syracuse. Well, yep. that's pretty good. Does she like it? I, I think so. Does she say things that a little six-year-old years old like, we're giving you a getaway, vacation? A getaway! <laughs> a getaway? getaway? Yeah. I'm sick. I'd be like, what's a getaway? Yeah, what's a getaway? What am I getting away from? Yeah, what are you... <laughs> I don't really understand getaway. that point. Oh God. Yeah, I think you know we're, we, we've been talking about that in the morning show and trying on this one. It's the, it's gotten to the point. The only thing that I'm worried about though is people will believe whatever their particular channel tells yep. them. They yeah. just they literally believe it's no matter true. what it is. Well, that whole thing with the Cat Five hurricane. Well, this is the very first Cat Five hurricane ever. No, it's not. It's about the 36th or 37th one mm. since 1932, and who knows how many before that. Yeah. It's not the first Cat 5, but they don't even bother to check the, the information out. They don't yeah. even look it up. This is the strongest hurricane ever. Yeah, which is not. Recorded. Yeah, it's In the not. past year. In the past, <laughs> in the past year, exactly. We'll take a break. Be right back. Another special guest coming up right after this with the family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. It's Tom telling you that you can lose an average of 26.2 pounds on the 40-day weight loss program powered by Nutramost. I lost 92.5 pounds in less than five months, thanks to the Sheehy Brothers and the Ultimate Wellness and Weight Loss Program powered by Nutramost. And I encourage you to let them help you lose weight as they teach you how to stay healthy and keep that weight off. Take it from me, having a coach keeps you accountable and it makes achieving your goals so much easier. Let the ultimate wellness and weight loss program powered by Nutramost help you. Schedule your immediate consultation or attend the Nutramost free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, August 19th at Jake's in Plymouth. Call now, 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Study data comes from client-submitted data to a third party for tracking of daily weight loss and progress through the Nutramost weight loss programs. See website for full disclaimer details. Painted Black. I love this song. Black. A little Rolling Stones to kick things off in the third section. Uh, Catherine, you're pronouncing your last name Children? Yes, you said it perfect. Well, actually, Cassie helped me out with it. <laughs> it I think it's Children. Children. Yeah. I, was, I went with Children. Okay. What do you think? Yeah. Get fancy. Catherine Chiljean. So snazzy. But I'll just call you Casey. How about that? That'd be good. People call me that, too. Catherine Chiljean, ladies and gentlemen. Shakespeare suppressed the uncensored truth about Shakespeare and his works. I don't even want to talk anymore. I just wanted to sit back and listen, because this is a fascinating subject to me. Is something wrong with Shakespeare's biography? I just... So, Catherine, what's the deal? Yes, there's something greatly wrong, and... Um, we're talking about the 16th century now, and um, we're attributing the great author of Hamlet, Romeo and Juliet, all those great sonnets, to someone that we have no evidence, lifetime evidence, 
uh, wrote the works. Right. And that person that we're attributing the works to was born in Stratford-on-Avon. Um, the problem is, is that Shakespeare was actually someone's pen name, uh, the Earl of Oxford, uh, who was a nobleman. And um, it appears that after both this nobleman and the Stratford man had died, a uh, hoax was done to make the public believe that he came from Stratford-on-Avon, that he was a man of humble origins, oh. not of the nobility. Really? And um, if we look at the lifetime evidence of the Stratford man, there's no evidence that he had any schooling. Uh, there is no payment to him as an actor or as a writer. Um, there's n no notice of his death when he died in 1616, and that was a convention back then that celebrated authors, which Shakespeare was, um, would be commemorated by people and remembered. It took seven years after the Stratford man had died for anyone to make any notice of this. Um, there's no manuscripts that have survived in the Stratford man's handwriting. All we have are signatures on a will, uh, his own will, three of them, and then signatures on three other legal documents. So, again, it was somebody's pen name, William Shakespeare, and there just so happened to be another man who was actually involved in the theater, and he, he was born with the name Shakespeare, William Shakespeare. But actually, if you look at the spelling of his names in legal documents, um, it was pronounced with a short A, Shakespeare, S-H-A-X-P-E-R, S-H-A-C-K-S-P-E-R, you know, like that, variations that indicate a short A. It was only once or twice spelled as we know it, uh, William Shakespeare. So the... So, the the saber-rattling part of it, the Shakespeare, the saber-rattling. Um, why was it all covered up? Why, so, so someone of nobility, you think, wrote uh, wrote most of the Is there any proof that one person did write all of it anyway, or was it several people? Yeah, that's a theory out there, the group theory. Yeah. Um, I don't abide by that. I think that um, there is one voice throughout all this, the plays, okay. an august, very august high voice. Um, uh, the, I think the reason for the group theories that have popped up is because there were so many works, over 40, some say 50, and um, with the Stratford Man, the time frame is very tight, maybe a 20-year period. But if you take away the model of the Stratford Man in his life, if you open that up, you can see that the great author was writing very early from several decades, four or five decades. Um, and the, we can even show you, like, for example, the Queen in 1577, when the Stratford man was like um, 12 or something, um, is the history of error was presented before Queen Elizabeth. That was probably an early version of the comedy of errors that we all know. Um, and this was when the Stratford man was not involved in the theater, he was just a kid. So Shakespeare was writing much earlier than the Orthodox scholars will tell you. Um, and that's the problem of always um, trying to work with the Stratford man's life, because it's so limiting. You take that away, and you're going to see the plays were written much earlier, and a lot more than we ever believed. Um, and to go to your first question about why was it why did they make it the Stratford man the, the great author? Um, I would say because the plays were, in, in some cases, political. Oh, and, there for you example, go. in Hamlet, um, the character Polonius is accepted by many historians to be a lampooning of one of the most powerful man, men in England, uh, William Cecil Lord Burley. Uh, he was the Queen's number one man during that period. So, how could the great author? Um, know about William Cecil Lord Burley unless he was someone who knew him. Uh, if, if he were the Stratford man with no connections to court, with humble origins, um, no one's going to make that association. So it's very convenient to put the authorship on somebody else if the plays are political. And the Shakespeare sonnets, too, are also very political. So that's 
kind of in a nutshell the reason for it. But, you know, 400 years have passed. It's time. Let's get to the truth. <laughs> right, and, right. You know, let's see. How, look at the plays actually as historical documents and commentaries. And that's what current scholars are missing out on. Um, and also, right now, when you read the Hamlet, you know, um, scholars think that's the most autobiographical. But it has nothing to do with the life of the Stratford man, as far as we know it. Um, Hamlet was, you know, he was a, a nobleman. He was a university student. He was a courtier. He was a traveler. You know, he killed somebody. Yeah. So all of those characteristics don't work for the Stratford man. Um, and, you know, it, you, I think people will appreciate the play so much more when they have a real biography to back it up. And all you need, once you get rid of the Strapper Man as a great author, which there's no evidence, uh, all you have to do is look at the Earl of Oxford, Edward de Vere. And his life is reflected in many of the plays, especially Hamlet. Hamlet really was a portrait of him. So what, was um, it, what would be the great... The great author knew the Earl of Oxford, or he was the Earl of Oxford. What was and it? the Earl of Oxford was a known playwright during the period. Um, um, and yet it was recognized that he couldn't write, he could only write anonymously. And so wh- that's why? where, you know, anonymity and a pen name come in. Um, the, the problem is, is during one's lifetime, if one is a nobleman and one is interested in, in creative writing, like plays and poetry, um, it was something you would keep quiet. It's not something you would brag about, because it was considered a frivolous activity back then for nobility. Nobility are supposed to be in government positions and helping the queen or, you know, being a, like a justice of some sort or a soldier or a general. You know, this is what uh, the proper role is of nobility, um, not penning plays and being associated with the theater. So, but... Um, so that's why it was a social code back then to not talk about it. Um, but after death, it would have been perfectly acceptable for people to acknowledge the Earl of Oxford as Shakespeare. And, and his works should have been printed with his name after his death. But that did not happen. And um, as we went, as we mentioned, as the earlier reason, uh, the, the plays were political and the sonnets, too. Was there a, a uh, what was the great benefit in writing back then? Obviously, now you write a book, you're going to make millions of dollars if you're William Shakespeare or not or whatever. What was the great benefit in writing as much, you know, that's pretty prolific writing there. What was the great benefit for those people or that person to do that? I think he was originally writing for Queen Elizabeth because she loved plays okay. in the theater. Of course, she didn't go into any public theater. She had private performances um, by acting companies in her palaces um, or in her, um, you know, in her government locations. Um, so it was, I think, initially to entertain the queen and her courtiers, of which the Earl of Oxford was one of them. Um, it is on record that he acted. But another important reason, um, I would say, if you look at the history plays, like... Henry V and um, the Henry VI series, um, Henry VIII is another play, history play. Um, in, a 15, in the 1580s, around 1585, 86, uh, there was a kind of a coming, uh, signs of a coming war with Spain. And as we know, in 1588, the Spanish Armada was defeated by England. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us believe that Shakespeare actually was being employed, I mean, the author of Shakespeare, um, to write plays that laud English history and to make you proud of being English. And that is a, an element to help win a war. And um, there is some evidence that uh, Henry V was written in 1585. Now, of course, you don't ask a regular Shakespeare professor. They'll, they'll tell you it was written later. Um, but it could have been very much political, too, um, to educate the population and also make the population proud uh, with a coming war. Um, 
I think those are the main reasons. And I think he also just had a, a, a love of the theater and writing. Excellent. And, um, you know, he, he would do it even, even though it was something actually beneath him. But he still had to do it. The book is called Shakespeare Suppressed, The Uncensored Truth About Shakespeare and His Works. Catherine Children, C-H-I-L-J-A-N. It's a fascinating subject, Catherine. Thank you so much. Appreciate you uh, letting me get the word out there. Well, you're doing a great job. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye. Isn't that interesting? So they just kind of made a guy up? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to to not be uh, executed. I mean, the you're, first figurehead, you know, you're, I guess. You're, say, you're saying stuff like that. Yeah. So you're, you're first figurehead, so you wouldn't have your head <laughs> cut off. Yeah, So because you're taking yeah. shots at everybody. Yeah. Although I, I did notice the picture on her book looked looked a lot like uh, Mick Jagger and drag. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was. <laughs> you don't know. Maybe it was Mick, Mick Jagger, Jagger and drag. Well, apparently immortal, so hey. Can I yeah. mention something real quick? Nope, you're uh, out. Forget it. I mentioned it last week. Today is the day if you want to go see the John Wick Mustang. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. At the God. Best Buy in Hopkins at 3 p.m. today. <laughs> that's the lamest thing I've ever heard in my life. People what? love those movie cars, though, I'm telling they you. They do love movie cars. You're going to go to the Best Buy to go you see You should have saw me when I first saw a DeLorean. Room. You know. Well, that's different than <laughs> John Wick. And my buddy, John Wick is a... My the buddies from car? Ghostbusters 911, they have a, the Ecto car. Oh, my that's gosh. like yeah. full Ecto on. Car. It's so awesome. That's so funny. But yeah. Today's the day. Today's the day. You're going to head over there, Deb? I can't. You love I, John Wick so I much. I already have got to look at a white Camry mm. that I'm driving for the next week because I'm getting my uh, Mustang completely redone. Uh, there are a couple of little dents in it, and I'm getting those taken out. And, you get to uh, drive a white Camry? And they got to drive a white Camry. It's an interesting experience. <laughs> hey, it's a nice car. It's a it good is. car. No, it is. It is a nice solid car. car. It's a solid yeah, it's a car. Solid, solid American-made car. But the great news for me is Takata is replacing the airbags because apparently some people have been killed in the Mustang when the airbags blow up. Perfect. So... Because it shoots shards of metal at you. Okay, why not? Oh, so I will so, be killed by my frags you. Your, your airbag yeah, frags you. It frags you, exactly. Okay. We'll Great. talk to you tomorrow with the family.